All right, Lone Star Gunners, welcome to the podcast. This is Lone Star Gun Talk, the official podcast of Lone Star Gun Rights, and I am your host, as always, Derek Wills, and I am super excited to be here today. Uh, first off, uh, we just had the birthday celebration of the National Rifle Association. Yay! Good on them for 147 years of selling out our rights. Um, <laughs> anyway, we've got some uh, some important things to get to today. But first, I want to thank our sponsor here at Lone Star Gun Talk, and that is Provident Metals. Provident Metals is an online bullion dealer based right here in the Lone Star State, and they are offering exclusive discounts to our listeners. However, they are also having massive Black Friday sales going on right now. Uh, take, for instance, the 2018 American Silver Eagle, this beautiful and iconic coin first minted in 1986 and has been minted every single year by the U.S. Treasury, uh, is on sale right now for just $2.25 over spot, which is an amazing price. Usually, you are lucky if you can find these for $3, uh, $3 over spot. Uh, usually coins like this that have a higher premium also get a higher premium return to you should you need to liquidate that into cash. Uh, so that is why the American Silver Eagle is such a popular coin. Uh, as of right now, and spot prices change constantly, uh, right now the spot price is $14.47 and you can get American Silver Eagles for as little as $16.72 Go check out ProvidentMetals.com and check out their Black Friday sale deals. And uh, make sure you stock up because, you know, the Federal Reserve is still printing money. And as long as they're still printing money, the value of the U.S. dollar is going to go down. So check out ProvidentMetals.com. That's ProvidentMetals.com and take advantage of these special deals. Okay, so here's the thing. The NRA as I have been very critical of before, is just celebrating over 147 years of negotiating negotiating away our rights. Uh, and so happy birthday to them. I just wanted to make sure that I reiterated uh, that they are a wonderful organization for gun control and any leftist out there who happens to be listening should sign up for membership right now because you can go to the NRA knowing full well that they will help you enact gun control. That is what they've done since 1934, and they show no signs of stopping. So anyway, happy birthday, National Rifle Association. Thank you for all that you uh, have done in selling us out. Okay, so uh, getting on to the actual topics of the day, there are some interesting things that need to be discussed. First of all, I thought this was interesting. The one thing that is not fair about this article is that it is targeting President Trump. Okay, obviously, if you are brand new to the show, go back and listen to just last week's episode and the week before that and the week before that, and you will hear that I am not exactly Donald Trump's biggest fan, mainly because, uh, as it relates to gun rights, he's awful. Uh, However... I am also consistent, and I don't hate the man just for the sake of hating the man. So uh, whenever it comes to this article in particular, I don't think it's fair to uh, call out President Trump because it's not exactly his policy. 
It's been the policy of the United States since 1968. And the headline is, Trump administration sued over rules blocking medical marijuana patients from gun ownership. Now, we fully support this lawsuit. We think that prohibiting any person, doesn't matter uh, if it's because they like to smoke marijuana or make edibles or whatever, uh, any person has, not should have, but has the right to keep and bear arms. This is a natural right. The Second Amendment doesn't give us this right. The Second Amendment merely protects, protects this right. It doesn't come from government. Therefore, the government doesn't have the authority to say, these people over here, this group of people, uh, you cannot exercise this right. Well, government didn't get a, give it to us, so they can't take that away. Now, uh, this has been part of the Gun Control Act of 1968 that was signed uh, into law by Lyndon Johnson. Um, this also established uh, other prohibited persons, so people com uh, convicted of uh, domestic violence, uh, felonies, uh, etc., if they've ever been institutionalized. This is where all of these... Uh, disqualifiers came from and one of which is they you know anybody addicted to marijuana because you know it's such an awful and epidemically destroying drug that uh, it is literally killed exactly zero people to date and that is just way too many so um, because of this people have been denied their right to bear arms because they are using um, a plant that God created and put on this earth, and uh, they are using it in a way that people don't like, people don't agree with, uh, and they have been wrongfully denied their natural right to keep and bear arms. In fact, in uh, states uh, that have recreational marijuana, um, such as Colorado, uh, Washington, and there are now many others that are enacting recre recreational marijuana, uh, even in states like that, if you if you've seen the new ATF um, uh, form forty four seventy three for transferring a firearm, when you fill this out whenever you go and buy a gun, there is a provision on there that says even if marijuana is legal in your state, you cannot be a user because it's banned at the federal level. Um, so we fully support this lawsuit. Now there have been things, and and we have posted them up on our Facebook page before. That is indicative of President Trump saying that he wants to um, remove the prohibitions of marijuana on the federal books. Uh, if that were to happen, we would be all for it because of, for no other reason, uh, it is such a problem whenever it comes to the area of gun rights. You cannot use marijuana and own a firearm in this country legally, even if your state legalizes both. Um, so I would hope to see this have some sort of good conclusion, uh, but here is some from the article. It says, lawyers for a medical marijuana patient have sued the Trump administration over a federal law that bans licensed firearm dealers from selling guns to people who use the plant in states that permit it. Attorneys representing docu Dr. Matthew Roman 
filed the Second Amendment lawsuit in Philadelphia federal court Thursday against the U.S. government, and specifically the heads of the Justice Department, FBI, and Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, seeking reprieve from restrictions uh, preventing tens of thousands of medical marijuana users from legally owning guns. 33 states have passed laws legalizing marijuana in varying degrees in spite of federal prohibition, and the plaintiff, a Philadelphia medical doctor, personally uses the plant to treat post-traumatic stress disorder in accordance with Philadelphia's, or I'm sorry, in accordance with Pennsylvania's medical cannabis program, lawyer John K. Weston wrote in the lawsuit. Dr. Roman attempted to purchase a handgun for self-defense from a licensed dealer in April, but he was declined after acknowledging that he uses marijuana in response to a question asked on an ATF background check form, his lawyer wrote. Dr. Roman truthfully answered that he did have a medical cannabis card, and the staff member responded that it was not legal under federal law to have a medical cannabis card and purchase a weapon, according to the lawsuit. Um, so it, it goes on um, saying more about this. But essentially, that's what this is all about, is the Gun Control Act of 1968 is making this person, uh, Dr. Roman, ineligible, along with, and it says tens of thousands, I would be willing to get it's hundreds of thousands, if not more than a few million people in this country. Uh, it makes them ineligible if they were to be truthful on the 4473. I would love to see Congress repeal marijuana prohibition. Just personally, not speaking for Lone Star Gun Rights in this statement, personally, I think that it's an individual liberty thing. Uh, I think that people should be allowed to, to in, uh, ingest or do whatever they want with their own bodies as long as they're not hurting anybody else. Uh, full disclosure, I am also pro-life, so I don't use that argument uh in a misguided attempt to support of abortion because um, because I think that the life that is the body that is being harmed is the unborn child. But anyway, I, I digress. I, I think that uh, marijuana should be fully legalized across every state, across the country. Uh, but from a gun rights perspective, especially because it makes people ineligible to exercise a right that was never given to them by government to begin with. So I, I will keep an eye on this lawsuit, and as things develop, I will make sure and let you know. Okay, so there is another thing that this one, this story is going to be a bit difficult. Um, I have not seen many, if any, uh, conservative websites or conservative organizations talking about this, and it irks me. It is incredibly troubling to me. Uh Jamal Robinson was a security guard in Chicago and he stopped an armed uh, person who was seeking to do harm to another group of people. In short, he stopped what would have turned into a mass shooting because he was armed. And Chicago police killed him as a result. Now, I am all for innocent until proven guilty. Um, but there is a lot about this case that I just cannot see a rational explanation for. Um, now, there is a, an article uh, from USA Today that says, uh, 
security guard who was shot to death by police outside a suburban Chicago bar this week was given, quote, multiple verbal commands to drop his weapon before an officer fired, Illinois State Police said in preliminary findings. Jamel Robertson, 26, who worked as an armed guard at Manny's Blue Room Lounge, was pinning down a suspect outside the bar in Robbins, Illinois, early Sunday morning when the police officer shot him. The person Robertson apprehended had, had allegedly fired a weapon inside the bar moments early, wounding multiple people and drawing police from surrounding jurisdictions to rush the establishment. The officer from neighboring Midlothian who killed Robertson saw a man decked out in, quote, plain black clothing with no markings readily identifying him as a security guard armed with a gun, the state police public integrity task force said. Quote, according to witnesses' statements, the Midlothian officer gave the armed subject multiple verbal commands to drop the gun and get on the ground before ultimately discharging his weapon and striking the subject, the state police said in a statement late Tuesday. Gregory Koulis, an attorney representing Robertson's mother, said Robertson wore a hat emblazed with the word security. Everybody was screaming out and he that he was a security guard witness told Adam Harris uh, witness Adam Harris told WGN TV and they basically saw a black man with a gun and killed him authorities have not released the name of the officer who is white I don't think that actually has uh, much to do with it but um, I, I again I don't I don't fully know Midlothian police chief Dan Daniel Delaney said the officer joined the department nearly four years ago after working for another law enforcement agency. The officer was a team leader for a regional SWAT team assembled by police departments in Chicago's south suburbs. Uh, anyway, this, uh, this story continues, but I'm highly doubtful that there is there, there was issued multiple commands. I don't see the rationale behind somebody who, uh, behind a good man with a gun, a good guy with a gun, ignoring law enforcement in a situation like this. Um, now, maybe he uh, was yelling and screaming uh, because his adrenaline was running, and maybe he just had tunnel vision. He was in that uh, black state of mind that uh, means that you are not exactly thinking you your your thought process is uh, is purely reactive and this is not to see, to excuse the, the the police officer I think that what he did was incredibly wrong and I think that he should be put on trial for it um, I think that at minimum manslaughter charges uh, are appropriate Um. I do not think that this shooting was justified in any way uh, because Jamel Robertson had the uh, had enough of his faculties to not shoot the suspect. He apprehended him without firing a shot. The guy started firing in a bar and then he drew his weapon and told him to stop and get on the ground, which that guy complied. Then, he is holding him at bay 
until law enforcement arrives. And then all of a sudden we're expected to believe that he is ignoring law enforcement. He's holding him at gunpoint for the sole purpose of law enforcement getting there. And, you know, I understand the, the point of view of not knowing who the suspect is, but, uh, if, according to witness statements, many people were trying to tell the officer, this is a security guard. This is the reason we're not all dead right now. Uh, this tells me that the officer was not able to keep control of his faculties, not able to keep and read the situation adequately. Unlike Jamel Robertson, who responded perfectly, according to what we do know about this, he responded in a way that where he didn't even have to fire a single shot to to neutralize the threat, and yet he is the one who ended up dead. The more that I read on this case, the more that I hear about it, uh, the the more that it just irks me. And this whole thing should be condemned by everybody. Where is the NRA on this? Why are they not the ones who are screaming at Chicago or the Midlothian Police Department saying, what the hell happened? This guy stopped a mass shooting from taking place in a bar. He was doing his job and he was the one that ended up getting killed. I sincerely hope that this goes to trial. I sincerely hope that charges are filed, appropriate charges. Um, I do not believe that uh, first-degree murder uh, would be appropriate because I don't. Th in order to prove that, you have to prove premeditation. I, I th do think that, uh, at minimum, voluntary manslaughter should be the charges filed against this officer. Um, do I think that it was racially motivated? Not likely. I think that there was probably a prejudice that played in, into it because of the fact that it was the south side of Chicago. Um, but also you have to realize that the vast majority of the population on the south side of Chicago is black. So chances are if you are responding to something, the suspect that you are going to be seeing would be a person of color. That said... You can't imagine that, or you can't think that just because the shooting has stopped, that the person that's holding the gun is going to be your suspect. This is this is the problem that um, that we have that we have to solve as as gun owners, as people who carry. We need to be prepared for when law enforcement gets there, because chances are, if they're responding to a shooting they're going to be looking for the first person with a firearm. As long as you can adequately and effectively communicate that you are not the threat, you stopped the threat, uh, that is something that you should be practicing. That is something that you should be uh, acknowledging that, look, I'm probably going to end up in handcuffs uh, the second that police arrive, but that's okay. That does not make uh, what this officer did. That does not justify it in any way, shape, or form. And um, I sincerely hope, again, that charges are going to be filed. Uh, you know, it's, it's quite interesting. We posted up on our Facebook page a uh, tweet that was from somebody, I, I assume that they are of the left. Uh, I could be wrong. This is just a presumption on my part, so you'll have to forgive me if, uh, if it's not, in fact, the case. 
But the tweet was from Francis Mar uh, Maxwell. I'm not sure who that is. Um, where is the outrage from gun-toting Second Amendment lovers over the death of Jamel Robertson? I haven't heard blank from any conservatives. This man literally stopped a mass shooter and was killed for it by police. Their silence, as always, speaks volumes. This tweet's not wrong. Where are all the conservative organizations? Where are all the, the Second Amendment organizations speaking out about this? We haven't seen many. I, I know that we have posted about it. Uh, I have seen uh, or I have heard about Glenn Beck talking about it on his radio program in The Blaze. But where is everybody else? In our current uh, mainstream media 24-hour news cycle era that we live in, this you would think that this would be national news. But it's not. Not even the left-wing uh media is really running hard with it and i think the reason that they're not that they're kind of they're, they're touching on it slightly but i think the reason that they're not is because it would end up proving that a good guy with a gun can stop a, a mass shooting it's kind of tragic and and disgusting whenever you think about it from that sense that the left doesn't want to touch this because um you know, it, it it goes against their Second Amendment or their anti-Second Amendment agenda. I don't know. I This whole thing just rubs me wrong. How it's being handled, how, um, how it's being ignored really rubs me wrong. Jamel Robertson did the right thing and was unfortunately killed for it. And I sincerely hope that... Um, that justice does get served in this case. And I hope that it will. I think that it will. There's no reason that it shouldn't, but uh, we shall see. Time will tell. Okay, so I'm going to wrap things up here, but I want to leave you with an interesting bit of history. Uh, so I am reading Thomas Jefferson's autobiography, which is quite fascinating. I would highly recommend it for anybody uh, who loves history and loves liberty. Um, Thomas Jefferson was one of, uh, is one of my, or is my favorite historical figure, uh, because of how pro-liberty he was. Uh, anyway, in his autobiography, he, he talks about two characters in very different ways that I thought was very interesting. Uh, the first has to do with, uh, Patrick Henry and Patrick Henry was the gentleman, you know, who said, uh, give me liberty or give me death. He gave that speech. And, uh, you know, he is a founding father and he is a patriot. Uh, but what Jefferson said about him was rather entertaining to me. So uh, just to give some full context, uh, Jefferson is talking about how he cannot attend a uh, uh, the Congress in Philadelphia for some matter. Uh, but he gave a draft of a proposal to two people, and that's what he's talking about here. So he says, uh, I sent on, therefore, to Williamsburg two copies of my draft, one under the care, uh, one under the cover to Peyton Randolph, who I knew would be in the chair of the convention, the other to Patrick Henry. Whether Mr. Henry disapproved of the ground taken or was too lazy to read it, for he was the laziest man in reading I ever knew, I never learned but he communicated it to nobody. 
So uh, that's quite an insult uh, to Patrick Henry. Uh, and this was written in 1821. Uh, Patrick Henry had already been dead for over 20 years at this point. But that's kind of a scathing um, insult if you really think about it because of, uh, you know, reading was really what set apart the intellectuals, uh, especially in the 1780s, 1790s. Uh, so I, I just found that to be completely interesting. And then here is a description of another gentleman that um, is quite the opposite. But this repeal was strongly opposed by Mr. Pendleton, who was zealously attached to an ancient to an ancient establishment, and who, taken all in all, was the blessed man in debate I have ever met with. He had not, indeed, the poetical fancy of Mr. Henry, his sublime imagination, his lofty and overwhelming diction, but he was cool, smooth, and persuasive, his language flowing, chaste, and embellished, his conceptions quick, acute, and full of resource, never vanquished, for if he lost the main battle, he returned upon you, and regained so much of it as to make it a drawn one. By dexterous maneuvers, skirmishes in detail, and the recovery of small advantages which little, sting little singly were important altogether. You never knew when you were clear of him, but you were harassed by his per perseverance until the patience was worn down of all those who had left, who had less of it than himself. And this, add to this that he was one of the most virtuous and benevolent of men, the kindest friend, and the most ad amiable and pleasant of companions, which ensured a favorable reception to whatever came from him. That is, uh, Jefferson had such a, an, an eloquent, eloquent way of putting things. And I could not imagine a better compliment coming from somebody. I'm not sure who Mr. Pendleton is. He's a character that I feel like I must study. Um, but this is, uh, just the, the, the language that he uses to articulate his admiration for somebody who he ha who he constantly engaged in debate with, um, who, somebody who, with whom he did not agree. And I just found that to be so perfect. Uh, I wanted to share it with you. Uh, and that is, again, that is from Thomas Jefferson's autobiography, and I highly recommend it uh, to, as, as essential reading for any liberty-loving patriot. Anyway, that's going to do it for me this week. Um, please make sure that you are subscribed and share this podcast with all of your friends and family. And until next Monday, Lone Star Gunners, arm yourself with knowledge and share the ammo. Lone Star Gun Talk is a Lone Star Gun Rights production. Hosted and edited by Derek Wills. Copyright, Lone Star Gun Rights, 2018.